Welcome to Big Blend Radio with your hosts, Lisa and Nancy, editors of BigBlendMagazine.com. Welcome to Big Blend Radio's Toast of the Art Show with Nancy and Lisa. You know we love our time with the Tucson Dude. Now, the Tucson Dude is Lance Labor. He is the executive director of DeGrazia Gallery in the Sun, which is a 10-acre historic landmark. It's right in the foothills of the Santa Catalina Mountains in beautiful Tucson, Arizona. Boy, do we miss our home of Tucson. Mm-hmm. And we will be there in spring next year. We'll be there in the fall Yay. next year. Um, but right now, today, we're going to find out what is happening for winter at uh, DeGrazia Gallery in the Sun. You know, what's really unique about this, it's all about uh, Ted DeGrazia. He is known as the most reproduced artist in the world. Um, he's known for his Southwest art. And the gallery was built by him and his friends back in the 60s. It opened in 1965, and it's home to over 15,000 originals of his art, uh, including oil paintings, watercolors, ceramics, and sculptures. Mm. And so when you visit, you can see all six permanent collections and then some of the rotating exhibits that they change out throughout the year. So I encourage you to go to their website, degrazia.org. But, hey, welcome back, Tucson, dude. How are you? I'm good. Good. Thanks good. for having me. Hey, it's always fun to have the Tucson dude on the show. Um, you know, and we think about winter in Tucson. So it's, it's you know, the best weather on the planet, right, <laughs> compared to the rest of the country? Well, better than Buffalo. Yeah. <laughs> no. It's, everybody's dodging snow. I mean, we get snow in Tucson once in a while, which is magical, but um, really, not, Tucson not at this like time Buffalo. of year. Yeah, Tucson is. Like, hey, did, yeah. did Ted DeGrazia ever do paintings of snow? Uh, hmm. You know, I can't think of one offhand, but. Because uh, it's rare. I mean, I'll have to look. It may be there. Yeah. Who knows? Yeah. Who well, knows? The, some of my favorite work that he has done are the Christmas cards and the Christmas mm-hmm. art where, like, roadrunners are, are, you know, have, like, little figures on them. Like, the Christmas, he, he really got into Christmas. It was fun. Like, Christmas um, in the desert. Yeah. yeah. He also liked to sell Christmas cards. So he yeah. he, uh, he he did a lot of those, yeah. Well, Ted DeGrazia, I think, is probably one of the most entrepreneurial artists in history. <laughs> yeah, because you don't find that very often because you have artist brain and then you have business brain. That's a rare combination. Sorry. Yeah, people. he had both. He had yeah. business brain uh, and he had marketing mm-hmm. brain and he had artist brain. He had it all. Yeah. Every bit of it. Yeah, that's, mm. that's amazing, actually. You know, I always want to go back to the gallery itself because it's, it's you know, one thing to also see Ted DeGrazia's, you know, permanent collections and the rotating exhibits, and we can talk about what people can see this winter, but also just looking at the architecture of the gallery because you've got the actual gallery, you've got his house where he lived with Marion DeGrazia, is also an amazing artist. You've got the little gallery where right now there's artists in there visiting artists that come throughout the winter. And you've also got the graveyard area, and you've got Mm -hmm. the mission. So does it get busy for you this time of year of people coming to the mission? 
Um, you know what? It's it's starting to pick up. Some of the the snowbirds, uh, mostly those guys from Buffalo, who are escaping seven <laughs> feet of snow. They're all, they're all starting to head out here. So um, you know things are things are picking up, and uh, uh, we're getting ready for our hopefully busy uh, uh, winter season. Mm. And then, can you give everybody a little overview of? the gallery, how he built it, like who were who, who his friends were because he decided, hey, because he moved around a little bit with galleries, right? Didn't he have a, a gallery downtown? Uh, well, yeah, he had a gallery towards the, towards the middle of town, but the city started to encroach on him. And uh, so he went up to the, the foothills of the Catalina Mountains and he, uh, he bought 10 acres up there and he started building in around 19, uh, 1949, 1950. Uh, he built a little church um, to give thanks. When you become a landowner in Mexico, it's a tradition that, that you uh, mm-hmm. build a little church to give thanks. Oh. And he did that, and then he built his home, and he built uh, a little gallery where he could work and sell his art. Uh, and then uh, in around 1959, he started uh, building this giant 16,000-square-foot uh, main gallery. And uh, he had his Yaqui friends, his Indian friends, uh, the Tohono O'odham friends help him. And, uh, you know, he had a crew of uh, 15 or 20 guys. Uh, wasn't ever sure who was going to show up, who got drunk the night before. But, uh, you know, over time, they they put it together, and um, it's uh, really one of the most spectacular uh, one-man galleries you'll ever see anywhere in the world. It's just just, uh, really a special place. And and the adobe, I mean, that's the other thing. And it's different. I mean, you think about adobe, and you think like Santa Fe, New Mexico, but it's still different than what Santa Fe does, you know, just the, the whole shape of it. And then the inside with the cactus, uh, the Toya cactus floors. That's amazing. Yeah, you know, he just used whatever he, he could find out in the desert. He, you know, he used just all the materials. He used the prickly pear skeleton. He used Toya cactus skeleton. He, he used just about everything he could find out in the desert. Mm. Wow. And and so right mm. now what's so cool about the exhibits that you have, um, the ones that are rotating – Right now, all um, will change out January 25th, so everybody stay tuned for the next episode for what's coming in February, right? But right now, when we think about the holiday season, uh, one of them is de Grazia's processions. So these are all like ceremonial processions of the locals, uh, Native American and Hispanic communities, right, that he was so close to. Yeah, I mean, there's there's funeral processions, there's uh, Easter processions, um there's processions down in mexico um it, it's it, it's interesting it's it, it's a nice exhibit uh i don't think uh offhand it's been before this is probably the first time it's been shown um mm-hmm. you know in all the years so wow. um that is yeah. a that is a unique exhibit uh mm. and and yeah people are liking it Cool. Well, what's interesting too is like you guys are showing that what he painted things like the candlelight processions, which are a big deal, La Posada processions, children's La Posada processions, which kind of really goes with this you know season. 
but also funeral processions. That's interesting that he would do that, but that really kind of goes with the Mexican culture, doesn't it, with the the Day of the Dead? Well, yeah, I mean, yeah, he did a funeral procession of Father Kino. Father Kino was Mm -hmm. a a priest that that came from Spain that uh, established missions in southern Arizona and northern Sonora, Mexico. And um, uh, there's some just regular funeral processions. There's... um, there's some upbeat processions, you know. It, it's not all funerals, but it's, uh, uh, it's just a lot of people carrying other people on their heads. That's that's what it is. <laughs> so, well, you know, again, before the season, go check it out. Um, mm-hmm. The other part that I think is interesting, going back to his ties to the indigenous people of the land is rock talk, the prehistoric art of Ted de Grazia, and this is really interesting because he's like. It, it, he, so he's painting the petroglyphs and the pictographs, right? Pretty, excuse me, pretty much. Um, uh, yeah, it's like it's like cave art, and uh, a lot mm-hmm. of it, most of it's done on ceramic plates. Uh, so we have plates hanging from the from the walls. Um, there's uh, uh, we have some tables too that he did some really beautiful uh, primitive tables. I'm not sure if that's the word primitive, but um, it's all cave art. It's all, you know, uh, bulls and the things that you would see uh, in France and the caves in France and Spain and wherever, you know, wherever these caves are. Uh, hmm. And they're very interesting. He... he was really good at it. That's cool. I like I know it. he went to Mexico and he studied under, uh, you know, Orozco and uh, Diego Rivera. But did he get chance to go to Europe? I mean, just even for his uh, own family roots back in Italy. Uh, yeah, no, De Grazi went to went. Uh, w- they were living in Marenzi, Arizona. That's where he was born. Was the little copper t- mining town of Marenzi. And when he was five or six, the mine closed, and they did go back to Italy. So he was back in Italy uh, and in Europe for uh, till he was fifteen. Oh wow. Uh, yeah. And when he came back to the the mine reopened and the family came back to go to Marenzi to to work in the mine and um, he had forgotten how to speak English, so he had to go sit down with the with the little kids again in first grade and learn how to speak English all over again. But he did he did spend time in Europe. Yes, he did. Hmm. Wow, that's amazing. I wonder if you know when you're in Italy, you've got to think of Leonardo da Vinci, right? I wonder if he influenced him, you know, being in Italy and seeing, you know, because the arts flourished in Europe so heavy, you know, and there was such an appreciation. And I wonder about da Vinci because we always talk about the Grazia being a Renaissance man, and that's who da Vinci was. You know, he was, and then you think about the religious side too, and I mean, the Da Vinci Code, (laughs) the Grazia style. Like I think right now if the Grazia was alive, he would – Right, the Da Vinci Code his way, in like the Arizona way with Father Kino in it, you know, because he, right. he he wrote that that book on Father Kino that I still trip out on that. I think about this, you know, every time there's anything to do with uh, you know Padre Kino, and how he wrote it was like he put himself like as Padre Kino, like he, but but it, but he wasn't, but he was. Like if you read this, you'll see what I mean. It's kind of like a fantasy fiction on based on reality. It, 
Right. He was so creative. Like his he, writing you know what? He, he, was amazing. He he loved Father Kino. He 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 understood Kino was kind to the Indians and how he treated them. Uh, he treated them with respect, which wasn't something that the Span Spanish did. Uh, right. With the with the Native Americans mm-hmm. and 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 the the Native uh, Mexican population, I mean they they went with the gun and said, you know what, you convert or we're going to shoot you. And and Father Kino didn't do that. Um, so De Grazia had this felt this nice kinship with Father Kino, and because uh, De Grazia felt the same way, you know he he loved the he loved the tribes here and. Um, it, it was just this this feeling of um, uh, just a kinship with Father Kino, mm-hmm. and um, so that's that's you know he, he he wanted to be able to treat the Indians in the same way with kindness. It's special, and they did I the same that's... for him. You know, they it was reciprocal. These were his people. Uh, you know, he was an Italian. Who who just loved spending his time with these these real people, these Indians that were just uh, they were his people, you know, they were his drinking buddies and the, the people that he really chose to spend his time with. Um, mm. You know, he 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 didn't really uh, like spending time with the, the snooty art community and and um, <laughs> you know. <laughs> You know, even That's his artwork, you see the, oh, yeah. the permanent connect, the collections in there. I mean, you know, Cabeza de Vaca, we've talked about him before, and he's got that. He's got all the, you know, these series of paintings. And to me, what he was just, here, I'm documenting what these people went through, the Spanish, the Mexicans, the Indians. Like, I'm documenting this. You need to know about it and see who they are and the special, like, just even um, – uh, Xavier Del Bac, the the mission and the processions there. He just he everything seems to have a piece. You know, it's always action, um, but he always seems to bring some kind of light to the people within his art. And I, I it's hard to explain, but just when you look at his art, there's always some glimmer of light. And even if it's a rodeo and there's blood flying with the bulls, which is not my favorite part, but you know, other people dig it, but. Um, he really just, he was, I think, really telling a story of the people that wasn't being told at the time that kind of always just kind of got scuffed over or it was just part of life. You know what I mean? It was never highlighted. Yeah, no, listen, his, I think his motivation, uh, he had, I mean, he had a couple of motivations. One of them, he certainly was a capitalist. and He wanted mm-hmm. to make money. But, sure. you know, he just also loved these people. And, um, you know, uh, it's kind of interesting. Every now and then we'll have visitors who will walk through the gallery and I'll get an email or I'll get a, uh, some kind of message that said, that says, oh, you know, De Grazia was a white man who made his fortune on the back of the, of the natives. And, oh. you know, you need to change all of your, your, uh, uh, your names you can't call you can't call them indians you can't you know and it's like i i don't think these people really understand uh how how the tribes here felt about de Grazia. i mean they mm. literally loved him uh for his 
his documenting their history and uh, for his friendship. And um, it, it, it's distressing some. You know, it's it's the new politically correct. It's all got to be. Uh, everything has to be politically correct. And in the time when Degrassi was alive, uh, things weren't really politically correct. It was different. No. Yeah, so, you know, you know it's... Uh, I just think it's amazing for me because um, I remember my Aunt Mona always bought Degrassi's cards. And it's so for me, it's like I grew up seeing these cards. And I... I until we connected with the gallery, I, you know, just like I just remember the little little people in the cards and the way they were always circling in the dance and celebrating. I remember the coloring and all that. And then when I walked into the gallery that one time, I was like, wow, this is my Aunt Mona's place. <laughs> I was like, Aunt Mona. There you go. Oh, yeah, it's so... <laughs> Yeah, she always bought his cards, and she would be the last person that I would think would do that because she was so uppity. Sorry, Aunt Mona, I know you passed, but you were uppity. And I just, you know, so he took a lot of people in a lot of different ways in a special way. He really did. Mm. Yeah, it's, yeah, you know, and, and he still is touching people to this day. I mean, uh, yeah. people people walk into that that gallery space, and you know, you just look around, and it's just an amazing place. It's just so beautiful and mm-hmm. and so different. There's just nothing like it anywhere else. So you're making um, me homesick, Lance. Yeah, well, good, good. You know, time to I get love, back to I where it's going- warm. Every time, every time we talk about Degrassi, and people still, wherever we go, people are like, oh, we know Degrassi, and I have this piece of Degrassi, and a lot of them think it's original, and it's not, but they, you know, they have Degrassi items, so known, and it's beyond the Southwest, you know, because people come to the Southwest and take it home, so no matter where you're going, Degrassi is everywhere, like, he's not the most reproduced artist for, you know, not being everywhere, you know? And then, I mean, we well, still get emails. No. I know you get contacted all the time with people going, you know, he's my brother. Yeah. Well, it's a kind of, listen, if I leave town, it doesn't matter where I go. If I go to the West Coast, you know, I walk into my my cousin's house and it's on her, it's on her refrigerator and it's, it's, it's on mm. her wall. And I go to New York, and it's you know people have it there. It's it's you know I can't I can't escape it. It's everywhere. <laughs> He's everywhere. He's everywhere. All right. So one He's one everywhere. other exhibit that that is happening now that I want to bring up too. So we talked about you know the procession art, and then also uh, you know the rock talk. So the prehistoric art. That's fascinating. I really want to see that. Um, we better get our our butts there sooner than later, right? But um, the other one is Degrazia's Ballet. So this is interesting. So this was, like, done between 1950 and 61, so, like, a series of watercolors, drawings, paintings, um, all about classical and modern ballet. So that's interesting. So was he interested in dance and the movement? Because we know music. he's a musician, you know, so he must have just really – that had to be an interesting you know uh, actual he, body he was, movement. He was intrigued. 
he was intrigued by all the arts. And mm-hmm. uh, Mrs. DeGrazzi, Marion DeGrazzi, was a fan of the ballet, as she was the opera. And, um, you know, he just he saw this beautiful, graceful movement uh, mm-hmm. in yeah. the ballet, and he, he painted it. This is what he did. This was all in the early 1950s. It's really not. It's not his typical work. You just go, wow, DeGrazia did the ballet. And um, uh, it, it's, quite, uh, it's quite unique. Um, it's very different. And um, it's definitely not on the backs of the tribes. <laughs> it's, it's just not, not his typical work. So uh, people that accuse him of, of making all his money on the backs of the Indians um, – should take a little time and look at the ballet. There you go. <laughs> you know, exactly, exactly. But, I mean, he's, uh, he he really just did so much on education. I just even, you know, watching You know, one of the things I, I always, you know, want people when they go to the, the gallery to go watch the movie. Go do that. You get a, really a better understanding of him, too. And, and when you're viewing his art. I think that movie. Can people buy that? Do you have that on like this sure, or something? That sure, sure. It's, it's, it's a oh, it's cool. a University of Arizona documentary that was done in 1976, and uh, it is quite interesting. Um, See, but hearing that's part him of it. talk about it, talk about his art and talk about his gallery, and um, it, 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 it's uh, very fascinating. And then also being done at that point to me is really cool, like in the 70s, right? That's also another thing, the documentary being done then. Like, you know, you you don't see it that way anymore. Like, you know what I mean? It's just one of those, it's classic. It's a classic. It's like when you go to national parks, you watch the movies, see what the park is about, and the documentaries, to me, it's like that's a whole other piece of art in itself. You know what I mean? It just is. It just Right, I, right. Yeah, you, everyone's got to see that. And then, of course, you can go to degrazia.org, by the way, everybody. There's a whole online gift shop like there is uh, a, a store the little in the gallery. You can go in to the, the shop there. And, uh, we get, I mean, when it's the holiday season, you can't go wrong. You've got Christmas cards, like we were talking about, that are really fun. And you've got all kinds of items for your home, for a Christmas tree. You have ornaments, calendars for 2023. You got everything. I mean, really, you could just go shop there and get on with it if you want to give gifts of Southwest, right? That would I be think, the thing. I think everybody should. I think that's what everybody should do. <laughs> I'm just saying. I'm just pushing it. I'm pushing. You know, I like to push things. Right. <laughs> that are yep. good. That are yep. good for us. <laughs> that are good for us. So the other thing too, the little gallery. There's a bunch of artists coming in and out. They're visiting artists happens every year from November through April. So um, I encourage you, again, go to degrazia.org. There's a list of the artists. Um, got everyone from doing something from, like, oil pastels to mixed media, paintings, uh, portraits, landscapes, uh, ceramic art, abstracts. I mean, it's all there uh, going all the way through April 7th. You can go see new artists in the little gallery. And the little ga- gallery is so cool. It's cozy in there, man. I, I love going in there. It's like a just it's a unique art space, you know, and uh, so yeah, and check the, that the out. Yeah, the artists are usually very good, also. And they come from all over. I mean, I remember the last um, time people coming from out of state. 
Yeah, no, there are some people that come from out of state. You know, we we try to keep it local, but uh, sometimes uh, artists show up that special work, and uh, you know, we uh, we want to encourage them and uh, get them get them selling their work and being real artists. Cool, man. Nancy, we need to go back. I want to go home. <laughs> I know, I'm homesick. <laughs> I know it's it's terrible. We do a show. Um, with Peggy Viandaka every first Wednesday, and she owns, uh, her and her husband, Kurt, own LDV Winery. So their winery is in, the tasting room is in Scottsdale, and then the winery is in the Chiricahua Mountains. And every time she's on the show, I'm just like, between Peggy and Lance, you're killing us. Like, we need to come home, and, and we are. We're going to be home in, in spring and then in fall next year. And But, um, yeah, it's like, there's something that you can never escape the desert. Once that Sonoran dirt gets under your fingernails, it's like Catherine Hepburn, death of fingernails. It's the space, it's, the wide open spaces. Yeah, I don't think it's different. And and I, it's you know, so the different. artists that move to the desert, they do it for a reason. And De Grazia definitely captures that. You know, he he really does. But. I want to go back to the people, Lance, because you've got the annual La Fiesta de Guadalupe happening December 11th. Um, this is, it's been on hold for a while because of COVID, right? I don't. You didn't. Yeah, do it we've yet. missed. Did you do it last year? Uh, no, no. I, I, we've missed. I think we've missed three years, at least two, but maybe probably three. Uh, yeah, no, we're 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 hopefully um, going to bring it back this year, and everything uh, hopefully will work out okay. Um, no COVID uh, or mm-hmm. less COVID, uh, and uh, yeah, no, we're going to have our entertainment all day. There's going to be food out there all day, and uh, uh, the gallery, of course, you come in the gallery and look around. It's a free day. So everybody uh, can can come in the gallery for free, and uh, it's going to be a really nice event. And, and Domingo and then, is playing; his band will be playing in the afternoon. Oh, Domingo cool. de Grazia, de Grazia's son. That's awesome, awesome, awesome. And, and and everyone, he is an amazing guitarist. It's like it, it is; it runs in the family, you know, the musical genes. It, it really does, and and art and. Um, but you have, you have mariachi bands, don't you too, and folklorico dancers? Yeah, we have mariachis and we have the uh, kids, the uh, uh, ballet folklorico, the dancing, the kids dance. <clears throat> we have uh, the deer dancers from the from the Yaki mm. uh, uh, village come out and they do their deer dance. Uh, nice. So it's a it's a full day, full full day of um, uh, different events going on all day. Now, what about the food? Do you have local food? Because again, you're going to make us like homesick now if you even say the word taco yeah, or fried no, bread. We we uh, we try to get uh, 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 one of the tribes to come out, whether it's the Yaquis or the Tohono O'odham. We try to get them somebody to come out and um, cook some some real food, and then we you know a few food trucks will be out there. But um, yeah, there's there's all kinds of food that'll be out there. So. It, it, That's cool. That food trucks. Uh, you've got art. You've got music. You've got entertainment, and it's going to be a fiesta at the Garcia Gallery in the Sun. And again, it's ten acres. And you know what I meant to add to when we were talking about the building of the gallery is there's the nuns' quarters. 
that's not really open to the public, but <laughs> the nuns have the nuns' quarters. I know. I think I think there it's haunted, Lance. <laughs> I think the nuns' quarters uh, are haunted. Well, no, nah, <laughs> it's not haunted. It's it's uh, it's just a nice little uh, uh, building in the back where uh, the uh, Benedictines and the Franciscan nuns used to come visit De Grazia from Tucson and from California. And, he would let them stay there and he would paint, he would paint on the doors on the inside and he would, they would all sign their names on the wall. So cool. Uh, that, so that's cool. what that is. That's cool. You know, we were talking about Degrassi on a show just the other day um, about him being so smart about, you know, there's people that do prints, but like he did, he had a collective where people were reproducing his art, so it was still hand done, right? In a way, it's like it was still being. So they were taking his designs, especially for textile, right? Where so other uh, artists would it, come it in and reproduce his work. Yeah, it was all kinds of things. That was that was one of the reasons that Degrassi was so criticized was that because uh, you know they reproduced inexpensive items to sell in the mm. gift shop you know they weren't originals they were they were copies and they were prints and they were uh uh but you know it just made it possible for uh you know the regular the regular person the regular tourist to uh buy something uh that didn't cost them thousands of dollars and uh uh, people really appreciated appreciated that they all wanted something from De Grazia, but not everybody can afford a an original oil or or a watercolor. And um, right, so you know he had a guild of artists, about a dozen artists that reproduced stuff for for in silver and and in, and in resin and you know all kinds of different things, uh, enamel, uh, and they were all sold in the gift shop. You know, yeah. it's interesting with artists because they want their painting to get a, their ideas and their words out. But then, if you go into the gallery mode, now it becomes something for the the wealthy, and that is really kind of contradictory because getting the word out to the wealthy sometimes it doesn't do as much as getting the word out to the masses of people that are affected by things on a daily basis. So, you know, it it seems like you're trying to get the word out to the masses, words of hope, words of change, words, whatever they are, you know, like let's fix this, let's fix that, or have you looked at this, have you looked at that? And they only can end up with the wealthy, which is almost like putting them in a closet, you know? Yeah, well, he, he, he was really a he was really an artist of the people. It was the people yeah. uh, that that made him what he was. It wasn't the it wasn't the elite. Um, you mm-hmm. know, everybody, all all of those people worked against him. But but the the, mm-hmm. the regular rank and file people came by the thousands uh, mm-hmm. to visit him, and that's um, awesome. that that's that, awesome. that made him who he was. And that's mm. what a true artist wants. They want they want to speak to the people, not a select few. You know, I, and I don't know where well, that ever came about. Where, you know, I understand why original paintings are expensive. I get that, 
but to it should never be beyond the range of normal average people to appreciate and see art and understand it. So I love what he did. I actually really admire what he did with with having other artists make copies and prints. I really do. I think that was well, awesome. They, they they all do it now. They all yeah. they all criticized him for it in the past, and they all yeah, do the same thing. But they do thing. it now. <laughs> yeah, I no, mean, they, you know, they're, they're they're all making money. They're all making money, and that's well, I guess but, that's you know, the there's an apprenticeship line. that goes with that. In the arts, you you copy people to figure out and learn mm-hmm. and be inspired. And then yeah. you find your own thing later. So there's something mm-hmm. to what he was doing. Of it, there is an, it's almost like a, an apprenticeship. That's why I go back to his time in Italy. I find this interesting. Mm-hmm. And just even when he was an apprentice with uh, Rivera and um, Orozco, that you know that he was probably copying them too at one point, like having to follow in but their footsteps and learn. then branch out on his own. That is how apprenticeship right. works. And mm-hmm. and learning, and so I think that's what's so, you know, Mexico has ancient arts like Italy and Spain mm-hmm. and Greece, and and I think that sometimes we forget that here in North America, and, and Mexico is part of North America. Everyone they are connected with us, and he did a good job of later bringing back the importance of that connection of Mexico to you know United States. Let's put it that way. And and tying it all back in, and so he, I don't know, he's just a he's a visionary too, and mm-hmm. connected and smart, smart, so. smart businessman, smart, smart, mm-hmm. smart. <laughs> we like that about him, you know. So I think it's just fascinating. I wish I wish we knew more about his time in Italy, about what he learned there, because I just have a feeling that it inspired a lot more than what we think, you know. Uh, I think you're right. You know, I mean, mm-hmm. he was a young man. He was a he was a young young kid and a, and a, and a young teenager. But uh, I think it really did um, uh, influence him. Mm-hmm. I agree. Like I agree. I know it's it's everyone. You just got to go to the gallery again, uh, De Grazia Gallery in the Sun in Tucson, Arizona. And hey, Tucson in in winter again is magical. And if it does snow. There's nothing like seeing, you know, saguaro cactus in the snow, right? That's it's awesome. magical. And the gallery is cool in the snow, you know, with the adobe. That's cool. Yeah, it does. Um, I I don't think we're going to get any this year. Oh, well. Well, thanks, Lance. <laughs> You're welcome. <laughs> no, we can, live, so we can live without the snow. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Well, we're going to close today's show with the song Please Remember Me, which is the title track to the album. Uh, this is lost uh, music, lost manuscripts that you guys found in the gallery one day, right? And um, there was an exhibit about it and then a CD put together, and Domingo de Grazia's son uh, was instrumental, right? And and who else was on the album uh, for Please Remember Me? That was the uh, the Tucson Jazz Academy arranged mm-hmm. it all, and right. uh, Domingo played on it with them. Uh, it's amazing. You're going to go get it at degrazia.org. Uh, again, gifts, uh, if you go online, even better, go to the gallery if you can. Uh, again, in Tucson, Arizona, everyone, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you, Tucson, dude. It's always a pleasure to have you on the show. Thanks, guys. Really appreciate it. Have a great yep. day. Nice. Happy holidays, Lance. Yeah. Thank you. Same to you. 